Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is Little Atoms, a radio show about ideas and culture. With me, Neil Denny. This week, Nicholas Butler on his latest novel, Godspeed. Nicholas Butler was born in Pennsylvania and raised in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. His award-winning debut novel, Shotgun Love Songs, was an international bestseller, an option for film by Fox Searchlight Pictures. His second novel, Hearts of Men, was a finalist for the 2016 Pre-Medici's Atranger, and his third, Little Faith, was awarded the Edward Stamford Travel Award for Best Novel in 2020. Nicholas Butler attended the Iowa Writers' Workshop and currently lives in Wisconsin, and today we're going to be talking about Nick's fourth novel, Godspeed. Nick, welcome to Little Atoms. Nice to talk to you today. Tell us, first of all, how you would describe Godspeed. I guess I'd describe it as like a literary thriller. You know, I, I think it cares about language on a molecular level more than maybe your average commercial thriller. And it's a... Uh, it's about three guys who are part of a kind of a fledgling construction company and they they get this offer to build an amazing multi-million dollar house under kind of a mysterious deadline offered by a, a mysterious future homeowner. So they're up against this deadline and and the reader knows bad things are going to happen to these guys, but they just don't really know when and to whom. Um, but tell us more about the job then, this house and particularly its setting. Yeah, the so the book is set outside of Jackson Hole, Wyoming, which um, is, you know, probably one of the most desirable real estate markets in the US. It's just, it's gorgeous. It's uh, tucked pretty dramatically into the, the Teton Mountains. Uh, it's not far from Yellowstone. And in the case of this book, the uh, most of the action takes place about 45 minutes away from Jackson proper, uh, still in the mountains, but at this really unique uh, building site that's right next to a hot springs. And there's a, a creek flowing out of the hot springs towards a river. And so when the action begins, it's sort of uh, summer, late summer in Wyoming. And the end of the deadline is is Christmas Day, so these guys are frantically trying to get everything done before the snow really flies and seals off their work. And yeah, some of the things that would what what are some of the things that would make a ha- building a house in this unique position tricky. Well, for one thing, it's uh, this particular house is 
like miles and miles down a private road. It's tucked way up into the mountains. Um, if you know anything about that part of America, it gets a ton of snow and fairly early on. So it, it's a little bit like that same kind of claustrophobic feeling you might get from uh, The Shining or something like that. There's a, a real ticking clock here. And uh, if they don't get it done in time, they don't get their bonus. And these guys are putting themselves really through hell uh, to try to try to get it done. And also it's not just your average house. It's I think like a 15 or $20 million house that's uh, architecturally significant. And so, and the homeowner's exacting. So there's no real room for mistakes here. So this is, it's a, it's a novel with, you know, thrilling twists and turns and, and secrets and mysteries. So obviously we're not going to give too much away, but tell us first of all about Gretchen, who is the the homeowner, the person that is offering this too good to be true job opportunity. Right. Uh, tell us something about her and who she is. Yeah. So she she's a very successful um, big shot attorney, making millions of dollars every year. She's based out of San Francisco, and and she and her her backstory are sort of key to the the mystery of of the novel key to the the you know the why questions of the book why is it being built here why is there this deadline what is her urgency she's not from jackson the builders don't know very much about her except that she's beautiful and sort of mysterious and and much brighter than they are yeah and it was it was fun to write her as a character because her her backstory really is sort of sacred. Like the reason why she cares about this land so much is, um, is rooted in her family and her memories. And, you know, we just say time is very important to her at this point. So let's talk about the the three central friends who form this construction company and are offered this job, Cole, Bart and Teddy. Tell mm. us something about each of them individually. And I guess also why specifically this job is attracted to them, why they need the money. Yeah, well, they're they're basically uh, blue collar middle class people that are getting, that are getting priced out of their hometown. They have this construction company together, True Triangle Construction, which is just basically uh, done nothing but kind of undesirable jobs their whole time. And so they get offered this um, this job under this mysterious deadline, and they really see it as their sort of key to getting the American dream. Teddy is kind of a family. He's not kind of, he's a family guy. He's married. He's got four girls. He's religious. Um, He's somewhat simple, but he's looking at this, this payday as a way of buying a house in Jackson and securing his family's future. Cole is uh, just coming out of a divorce. He's maybe like the most outwardly upstanding of the group. He sort of seems like maybe he's got the shine of a future politician or something like that. He's really um, putting everything into their business. And then Bart is kind of the loose cannon. He has had a checkered past. He's into drugs of all kinds. And what his partners don't know is that his, his knees are giving out on him. And he just is looking at this payday as a way actually out of their business. So there were fun characters to write. You know, they're just middle-class Americans and they've been friends for a long time, but they don't know, you know, they still have blind spots into each other's friendships. They can't see everything. So the reader is sort of privy to what their weaknesses are, even though the friends don't always see it completely. The book contains, you know, ideas around the differences between the haves and have nots. And, you know, as you said, the American dream and, and I guess above all the pursuit of money as a, as a sort of, you know, a means to an end. Yeah. I mean, I guess, um, you know, my, well, this is, I don't, I can't say what's happening in the, 
I, I don't know what's happening in the UK's real estate market right now, but I can tell you uh, in America, it feels like we're on the, the cusp of uh, bubble bursting. Real estate is just going bananas and money is very cheap here. And so um, new construction is kind of going crazy. Uh, house prices are just uh, really going up and and outwardly, all that seems okay, except you know that 35 or 40% of America is about one paycheck one broken leg, one car accident away from being bankrupt. So um, years ago, my family and I were passing through Jackson, Wyoming, and I was pretty naive. I thought, my God, what a beautiful, quaint, you know, village this is in the mountains. I wonder if we could afford to live here. And I the, I think the the cheapest house I found on any real estate listings was like three quarters of a million dollars for, you know, a terrible, small, tiny little house. So then that really became, um, it just became a really interesting way to kind of up the ante of the book to push the, I don't know, the boundaries of, of like how grotesque the, uh, income inequality is in America. Yeah. And it's happening everywhere. I mean, it's happening in Wisconsin where I live. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Listen to Little Atoms. I'm Neil Denny. Today I'm talking to Nicholas Butler and we're talking about his latest novel, Godspeed. And Nick, I wanted you to tell us a bit more about Jackson, 
the place. Yeah. Um, because, as you said, it's, you know, it's, it's now world famous as a, a sort of celebrity bolt hole. And, you know, one of these one of these places where, you know, people can go and, and you know, go in the summer, go and ski, what have you. Um, but obviously it wasn't always like that. So let's talk about the sort of, I guess, the gentrification of the place and how it became what it is now. Yeah. Well, I, you know, what's interesting is I just got off the phone with a, a former uh, realtor who spent some time in Jackson and he was giving me some perspective on it. It seemed in his mind anyway, that kind of by the mid eighties, Jackson was really heating up before then. I, I don't think it had that same sort of cachet. Uh, it was, it was a like a ranching skiing town. Sure. But what really changed was I think a kind of celebrity gravity to the place. It became a cool place to go and a place for people with way too much money to have a, you know, a second house and be near other ultra wealthy people. Candidly, I'll tell you, all my other books are situated in Wisconsin and I never really have to apologize for placing something there because I know it so well. Uh, One thing I did with Godspeed is I knew that you know, Jackson might be the gravity for Gretchen's attention to the place or or the reason why uh, such a wealthy character might be drawn there. But I think if I'd placed it specifically in inside Jackson, uh, there might have been things that I couldn't see or a history that I didn't know. But I had camped in a, a landscape that was exactly like where her house was with my family for a good period of time. So I really knew what that wild landscape outside of it looked like and felt like and smelled like. Well, tell us something more about writing about the landscape then. As you, you mentioned at yeah. the beginning, this is a book that's beautifully written book. And yeah, you write about the landscape particularly well, I think. So tell us something about just, just describing that landscape. Yeah, I mean, my family and I took a trip to to Yellowstone National Park, which is, you know, not so far away from Jackson, spent some time in Jackson, was immediately sort of enthralled by the place. And then we drove about 45 minutes southeast of Jackson to uh, Bridger Teton National Forest, uh, just a kind of a huge wilderness area. And we set up camp there because there was a hot springs in the mountains. And it's, I mean... As a writer, you're always looking for ways to sort of push the edges to amplify things. And that landscape was was it for me. You know, I couldn't see placing this story in Wisconsin because I think I wanted those intensity of the seasons. I wanted the snowfall. I wanted the mountains and the hot springs. I wanted all that mystery. And it's just a man, it's a it's a dramatic landscape. Yeah, where we were camping was right near these these hot springs. There was a creek that fed out of the hot springs into a river, dramatic cliff faces, big mountains, you know, and it's wild. I mean, there's, there's of course, bear and mountain lions. And I mean, you're, you're fully in the American wilderness. And there's a, there's an encounter, Bar has an encounter with a bear early on right. in the book right. and and I wanted to talk about um again I don't want to get too much into obviously what happens as we said but basically as you said you've already mentioned that you know Bart has a um a history with drug misuse and, and basically as this terrible schedule of building this house starts to take its toll on him and his knees he basically starts doing meth and I wanted you to talk about writing him on meth because it's it's just brilliant yeah. those passages Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, you know, the idea for the story came from a friend of mine who uh, 
we built a house south of Eau Claire back in 2014. Nothing like the house in in <laughs> in this story. And a friend of mine in the construction industry came out to say hello, and he was telling me about a multi million dollar house he was working on. And they fell behind on their deadline, and the homeowner got everybody together and and said she would offer them a five figure bonus if they could get the house finished in the following three weeks. And he said, Nick, if if we had all the meth in the world, we couldn't have gotten that house finished in three weeks. And I thought, holy shit, like that seems like a pretty interesting idea. So I started, you know, asking myself, well, what if a crew did take up that challenge? And what if they fell behind on the challenge? And what if they did resort to something like meth to stay up all the time? So I, I did my research into the drug and it's, you know, it's a horrible epidemic in America. Uh, and interestingly, the drug doesn't affect everybody in the same way. You know, there's some people that can, that can function on it even for a long time. But for other people, their life just quickly falls apart. And I talked to people who'd use meth and kind of got an impression of what that high felt like. And then when I sat down at my desk to write that, I tried to find uh, non-lethal ways of uh, amplifying my, my heart rate. And just got that sort of sensation that had been described to me or as close as I could to that sensation. And I really wanted a reader to feel like they were kind of on a, a roller coaster that just went off the edge. Yeah, but it was uh, my my Google history was uh, pretty sordid for uh, quite a few months. <laughs> Can we talk about other writers that might have been an influence on this book? Who do you like? Oh, well... Yeah, for this book, I mean, you know, thinking about literary thrillers that had influenced me, immediately I thought of uh, Scott Smith's A Simple Plan. Uh, have you read that one? I've seen the film. Yeah, well, the film is is really true to the book, and it's a great mm. movie. Uh, I think it was nominated for three Oscars here. But it's just a simple, a pretty simple story about three guys who, uh, you know, find a pile of money and then things slowly start falling apart. And the thing that I loved about that novel is that at any given moment, they could make the right decision or the moral decision, but they continue to make the wrong decision. And I think the characters in Godspeed could be, could be said to be in that same situation as well. I, th I thought about uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre by uh, B. Traven. Um, I thought about Deliverance by James Dickey. You know, I just, when I read a good thriller... I think to me, it's a little bit sort of, um, it, it can be a little messy at the end. I don't like how a lot of my mysteries or thrillers, you know, 80% of the way through the action, the villain sort of unmasks themselves and tells you exactly what happened um, in the plot beforehand. I kind of like a book like Deliverance, where you get to the end of it, and really the story is almost just beginning. Yeah, and I think Godspeed has is hopefully part of a lineage of books like that. To finish it off, can I get you to read this a bit? Yeah, yeah. So I'll just read from, the, from page one. This was the house that would change their fortunes. They could feel it. Cole had barely steered his pickup off the highway and passed through an open cattle gate before they began climbing the dusty canyon road north. And they could feel it. Money, like a vibration in the crisp mountain air. It was humming out there in expectancy, a promise. And they were driving toward it, cottonmouth, skin crawling. They could practically see it on the wind, pushing the late summer leaves, swaying the yellowing meadow grasses, smiling down upon the dappled river water below. The whole world here looked like money, 
money just waiting to be plucked up off the ground, the leaves like greenbacks, the shimmer of the water like silver coins. They needed this house, this break. They needed this work, work for what sounded like as much as a year, maybe more, and not the thankless backbreaking tedium they'd been reduced to for the past few years either. No, this was something to build a reputation on, a name, something to stake a man for decades, the kind of signature house a person could point to and proudly say, I built that, me, I built that. The kind of house that 30 years from now, when they were all broken down old men, they could travel to with their grandchildren and be welcomed like masters of some dying art. Bart rode in the passenger seat, blinking down at the chasm that had now fallen away just an armless length from the gravel road, not even a mile off the highway, and already the country was wild, wild, wild. Below the road snaked a river, raging white and blue, cataracts tumbling, and above them, off the low mountainsides, wispy waterfalls spilled down like great lengths of silver-white hair. A prominent dip of chew bumped out Bart's lower lip, and by and by he spit into an empty Coca-Cola can. I lived here almost 20 years, and I ain't ever been down this road, he said, peering over at Cole, who took the gravel track with white-knuckled respect. A blown-out tire wouldn't just be a pain in the ass out here. It would put them behind schedule for their noon meeting with the homeowner. You ever been back here, Cole? Cole shook his head no, fixing Bart with a meaningful look for as long as he dared before turning back to the road ahead of them. This is big, pristine, private country, the look communicated. You and me, we don't just get invited back here. She told me she had a driveway punched in last summer, Cole said, another two miles or so off this road. He pointed an index finger up into the mountains, somewhere up in there, I'm guessing. You imagine the kind of bread they're spending, Teddy put in from the backseat of the extended cab. I mean, a two-mile driveway up here? That's an Army Corps-type operation. All that goddamn California money is what it is, said Bart. Hell, that state's filling up. Cheaper for them to come out here and plop a house down on a mountaintop than it is to build a nice two-bedroom in San Diego or Los Angeles. Cheaper to build a house in the clouds. Lunacy, you ask me. It had been an unseasonably warm spring and summer in western Wyoming, and now the mountain air was sweet with sage. Late August sky overhead deliriously blue and gauzed in cottony clouds. In the back seat, Teddy studied a gazetteer, biting his lower lip and running his fingers over the map. Bart hung an arm out the passenger side window as the truck began to pull away from the canyon side. Soon they passed through a glade of trees and he reached out for the branch of a lodge pine, managing to snap off a handful of needles. Now the cab of the truck was filled with that smell, commingling with his Copenhagen chew, pine and mint and tobacco. So I've been talking to Nicholas Butler. We've been talking about his latest novel, Godspeed, which is out here in the UK from Faber. Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to tell me about it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for, for helping out the book. This episode of Little Atoms was produced and presented by me, Neil Denny, edited by Sky Redman, and was first broadcast on Resonance 104.4 FM. Little Atoms is supported by 89up and hosted by Acast. If you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate us on iTunes, and even tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.